0: Well, Jesus, thank you for today, thank you for a chance to worship spirit and truth. Jesus, thank you for allowing us to change up the order of uh, events at the service today, that we would just think a little bit differently through your word and um, entertain things that are different, because sometimes the same keeps us all thinking the same thoughts at church. And... Uh, Sometimes we're hesitant to step out of our box or take you out of a box. And so, Jesus, may we not do that. Love you and honor you, Jesus, in every way and shape and form. May it be your words today that we speak. Oh, Jesus, thank you for bringing people to worship. Thank you for bringing people in light of the fact that it uh, may be raining soon. And uh, it may rain for a while. Uh, but, Jesus, yeah, this is, uh, you're in charge of the weather Every minute, every ounce. And so we just give you praise and thanks for sustaining us in every way while we have breath and the promise to take care of us for those that know you, Jesus, personally after we depart from this life. Ah, to be absent from the body is to be present with you. Easier said than done. Easier done than said for you. We love you so much, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Okay, so yeah. Hey, what does new hope look like when we are at our best? That's what we want to answer today. And so there'll be some unique things presented, and there'll be challenges, challenges for you today. And I want you to accept those challenges and to pray about those challenges and know that life could be different today and tomorrow because we've been together today. Thanks be to the Holy Spirit and the work in Jesus in our life. Hey, check this out. Kind of a weird cartoon, but uh, we are leaving because we don't like the way things are done. Then a new group is, uh, we are arriving because we don't like the way things are done elsewhere. Sometimes that's the pattern of Christian churches. We don't see that here. Thank you, Jesus. We don't see that here. Yeah, give, give, give the Lord every bit of glory. That's cool. So, uh, very cool. Hey, what's it going to take for New Hope to rely and desperately need God? Remember the last couple weeks, we're giving you, like, numbers that we can shoot for so that we have to trust God with the process. And unless we trust God with the process, it's like something that we feel we've done. And that's proud. And that's arrogant. And that... That's part of Lucifer's fall. (laughs) He wants to be like the most high, he says in Isaiah. And it's just like, okay. Yeah, we need to analyze this. So remember these numbers? These are just some of the numbers, but we're looking at 25 people involved with prayer ministry by November 15th. We need more people corporately praying. We do so much. And yet, it's been four months we've been praying and asking people. And last Wednesday, for our 610 to 625 time, well, we had, we had one praying. And that's because I remembered to go to my office. Um, and then this morning, we had four. We had four. We would have had my wife five, but she's in Washington, D.C. This week and next week, visiting our younger daughter and uh, four grandchildren and family. And, uh, and our grandson, that who's, who pastors, um, Back east. So anyway, so I'll miss my best friend here for for a little while. But um, check this out. Ten people to visit church from food ministry. Remember we had that great idea? There'd be six of us that would go through the line of cars before they drove through and got their bag of groceries last Saturday. Remember that? And we would actually, two Saturdays ago, and actually we thought we had this plan to say, hey, just know Jesus loves you. Just know your day could be markedly different if you want to come join us for church tomorrow. Jesus saved my life. Uh, I hope he's your savior. I mean, stuff like that. And we hit like, I don't know, 50 cars. And there were six of us, like, kind of personal invites. And guess how many showed up the next day? Zero! Yeah! Yeah, baby! Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because Hebrews 11.6 God is pleased with our faith to trust him, not our accomplishments. So yeah, so so we're hungry now, literally in staff meetings. Um, We want God to show up and show us new ways to to turn people's eyes and attention towards spiritual food. So now we're, we're getting a little bit of desperately needing God. You see what I'm saying? It's when only he can do it. Same thing for prayer ministry. It's one it's, of the next steps, Lord, when you're desperate for him. That's when he seems to come through with flying colors. Oh, gracious. Hey, today, I am indebted to Jesus. That's good, Pastor. I think that's why we voted for you. Because we kind of sense that. Good job. You're doing what you're supposed to. Good job. I know it's kind of strange to say it that way, but um, last Wednesday at uh, Flame Broiler, delicious delicious and healthy, (sighs) came in, placed my order, and there was a a man sitting on the side like he was waiting for a pickup order, and he had his 30-gallon glad bag next to him, with all his possessions. And he had a water cup, and I said, have you ordered? He goes, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And so it took me five minutes to figure out he was homeless, even with all the clues. And so do I think, do I think about, okay, well, let's, Matthew twenty-five 35, let's feed the hungry. Let's do something that will be honoring to you. You've given me breath for that. <laughs> I tell the church on Sunday that uh, I am indebted to Jesus. So I get it right to, to order him something. Then a few minutes later, the order comes up and he says, Can I join you? Can I join you for dinner? And and, and I've never had that happen. I've never had that happen. He he joined me at one of those those long tables, and he put his, his bag of goodies right there, and uh, and we talked. And then, and then it took me another couple minutes to actually get in the mode to share the gospel. And I got to share the gospel. Uh, he didn't want any part of it. He was passing through from Barstow to 29 Palms. And uh, I, th- I think he was on the right route. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, but that was my experience. Yeah. I'm indebted to Jesus, all right. Um, except on Wednesday when I'm hungry and I'm thinking about other things before a staff meeting. Don't call on me then. So I got kind of convicted. Anyway, the passage we're going to share about is going to be Paul's message to the church at Rome. In Romans. And I put some notes up here to kind of give you some background. Incest and cannibalism. So, So these Christians setting up the church, the Roman church, the church at Rome. These young Christians were, were looked at as in, uh, incestuous in, uh, in having um, 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 behind-the-scenes orgies. And it's weird because here's, here's why. It's because they would call each other brother and sister. And that was weird. Or when they had communion... They would call it a love feast. They would call it a love feast. So they, they were accused of being naughty. And that's, the, that's the, uh, the persecution in part that they had to battle. Cannibalism. Cannibalism. Well, when they took the Lord's Supper, they partook at the, the bread, and that represented the broken body. Okay? And even though a bone wasn't broke, as we know, but the tortured body of Christ. Like, who's going to... Eat their leader, so they called them cannibals. Drink his blood—that's disgusting. So Christians got a bad rap. Christians got a bad rap for that. They sure did. So, so the good things—the good things about Rome, though, first century: common culture, world peace, and great transportation. And so if, Paul, if the Apostle Paul really recorded 10,000 miles, uh, that would have been helpful in his missionary journeys and transportation. And because Rome dominated, it was a society where, where, where people, there, there just wasn't that outside enemy, so to speak, always bombarding and always coming to confuse the matters and uh, stress people out, especially the, uh, the military. But today for that, I am indebted to Jesus. Look at this verse. Romans 1.13. ESV. 14 will be our key verse. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you. Paul did not start the church at Rome. Paul did not start the church at Rome the Apostle Peter probably didn't start the church at Rome. They had somebody there. They had somebody there at Pentecost, and it just, it just started by the Holy Spirit and by probably a small group of people and uh, was, was quite powerful. Was quite powerful. And Rome at that time was, was really evil, really disgusting. Like some would say it, a worse society than what we have here. See, they inherited a Greek society. Okay, Alexander the Great. Okay, did you know that Alexander the Great, he had his own gospel? Gospel means good news. He had his own plan and gospel of of building the, uh, the Grecian culture and making it humongous and prosperous. But anyway, I digress. I do not want you to be unaware, Paul says, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you But thus far have been prevented. So the Lord Lord had him go slower and was unable to get there when he originally wanted to to visit this church and these people in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So he's looking forward to this. He's looking forward to come and to see fruit and to demonstrate fruit that the Holy Spirit's alive and, and well and doing pretty marvelous. Verse 14 I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Interesting. Who is he addressing? Who is he addressing here in verse 14? What's that? Well, uh, yes, yeah, so, so he talks about in 13, harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So the original group is Jews and Gentiles. Jews first and then Gentiles. So, so we've, got, we've got that registered. But he specifically in this population and this group right here He says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel uh, to you also who are in Rome. So the Greeks and barbarians, the Greeks, which culture did I say that they inherited from? Greek culture become now Roman culture, still highly Greek. Greeks highly educated. Okay, highly upper class. Okay, Uh, highly super sufficient. Barbarians means anybody and everybody else. That's what it means. Foreigners, anybody and everybody else. That's who he's writing to. So it's everybody. And the wise, who would the wise go with? The Greeks or the barbarians? The Greeks, yeah. And how about the foolish? Yeah, foreigners. Yeah. I mean, that would be the mentality. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And so interestingly enough, interestingly enough, Paul says he's indebted. So his transformation on the Damascus Road with Jesus himself may have been pretty impactful. He's now in debt. He's now in debt, and he's in debt to all Christians, the Apostle Paul is. He's in debt to all Christians. That's why I'm a little upset with myself when I go see somebody homeless, and he asks if he can have dinner with me after I offer to buy him a bowl. I'm a little embarrassed. What do you do, sir? I'm a pastor. Can you tell? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) You know, we didn't have that talk, but but here's I mean, that's what I'm thinking there. So this goes on to say for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and to the Greek. Jew, Gentile, Greek, barbarian. (laughs) All these names. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This right here is why Paul says this here. This is the main theme. This is the cornerstone. This is the, uh, the topic of all of Romans right here. It's really cool stuff. That's what the book of Romans is about right there. So let's do this. Occasionally, I don't like people to drift in their mind because you're already used to my voice. So I've got to put on my robe. I always do that when I open up court. It's not the same robe you see on the Supreme Court, but it's the closest I had. And yes, we do have a drama position open or at least the, um, the props department open after you see this. So, uh, welcome to New Hope Court. My name is Pastor Don, and I'll be overseeing these next couple questions. I'll put this down, because that makes people nervous. Having a mini sledgehammer at church. Okay, so as we go on, already established that. Paul says he's indebted To the Jews and the Gentiles, we surmise that. Every lost person in the Roman Empire, true or false? Yeah. And specifically, he calls them Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So Paul's indebted. Paul's indebted to this community, He's indebted to the place he's been called. He knows the need to talk about salvation and that alone in Christ. You're going, gosh, when is this series over? Three weeks, just three weeks. Uh, when is this series over? This bombardment of like taking up your cross and following Jesus and witnessing to people and meeting together, you know. We've got to stop this at some point. It's mad. Well, no, it keeps going. We'll just go on to prayer, though. We'll just go on to a series and pray and prayer and the doctrines of prayer. It'll be so cool. You're like, oh, that's what that means in terms of prayer language. Okay, supplication. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's going to be in a couple weeks. But uh, another question here, Court. What's the answer for Paul being indebted to all for Christ? He's indebted to all, to everyone. What's, what's the solution? What's the plan now because he's indebted? What's that? He's going to go share the gospel. It's going to be good news. It's going to be good news. And so that's exactly right. I mean, you're going to preach the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. Hey, in this book I'm going through for like the fourth time. It's really cool because it speaks to you different when you read it a bunch of different times over the course of years. But look at this quote here. Look at this quote. David Platt talks about the strategy of Paul realizing his indebtedness to the Roman Empire. And we seem to miss that urgency. I told you I missed it on Wednesday at Flame Broiler. Matter of fact, the chicken and the rice and the vegetables didn't taste as good. It didn't take, I promise I didn't. Because I just had this experience where I came in just totally blindsided, unprepared and unaware of my surroundings when I should have been much better and prepared about that. But here's what he quotes. Here's what I quote from his book there. The result of that is tragic. A majority of individuals supposedly saved from eternal damnation, that's me, by the gospel are now sitting back and making excuses for not sharing that gospel with the rest of the world. That's what I do. That's what I do in America. I've got a lot of things in America that I love. And and unfortunately, I love them more than Jesus on some days. Shame on you, Pastor. Yeah, that's right. I'm working in my sanctification as I'm set apart to be holy. Be working on that until Jesus returns. You will be too if you're in Christ. So it's like, yeah, you know what? Sean, how are you going to take this any further here today? I, I don't know, but you want get, to get, get ready, sir, because you're on in just a minute. Sean Suter is going to come and, and, and give us a couple words of encouragement as we continue to go through this only because he's done it before and he's good at it. Hey, are we indebted to Christ? I like to think so. I like to think so. But you know what? I still have two credit cards and I can use them anytime. Don't tempt me cuz I will. And you know what if I really like something out there and I really get attracted to it, oh, I may buy it with even well, without even praying. That's a problem. That's a problem. And so, and so I get fixated on things that I shouldn't. Completely. Are we indebted? to Christ, or something else. Do we have an addiction to something? Because that addiction, for me, it's food and it's dessert. I've been, off, I've been off dessert for three weeks. Thank you. That's right. I did have it Saturday when I went over to Arizona. I did have it Saturday. But, um, but, I, but I lost eight pounds in nice. three weeks. I'm feeling better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you, Lord. But, but I would think about, if I, have a, if I have a choice of reading like the book of James... Or actually, actually going and sitting down with a great new cheesecake dessert. Cheesecake dessert wins hands down. And then I won't go back to James. I'll have the second piece because it feels better in my mind if I have two pieces. And so the cycle just goes. So, anyway, are we indebted to Christ? Are we indebted to you, Jesus? Because it's going to be a rich blessing to me and my family, to my longevity of the reason you've put me here on this earth, if I'm indebted to you, if I go in your plan in your way. Check this out. Check this out. New hope. We're at our best when we are all indebted to Christ and not things and not addictions and not debt and live out your plan, Jesus, of reaching others for you, Lord.
1: All right.
2: So hi everybody so we're pastor Don is preaching to this book radical and he had me read a little bit of it and kind of present it just maybe as a change of voice I don't know Um, but I thought that if you haven't seen it before I just started reading it because he told me to and uh... but it's really really good uh... and so I would recommend it but I, I was taken by the subtitle on the top it says taking back your faith from the american dream think about that for a hot second taking back your faith from the american dream so there's two, two assumptions there. Taking back your faith. So this is written to Christians. Right? It's assuming you're saved. Right? And he's also assuming that something about our culture that we're in, our American culture, tends to eclipse our faith in ways that maybe don't, aren't helpful. And so, um, anyway, don't miss that uh, underlying this entire series because uh, it's really important. Um, so I, I put up this little hashtag bless thing because we're talking about indebtedness, and so we're kind of beginning from this place of um, the blessing of God. And I want to make sure that we're kind of, sometimes we can say things and we, and we hear different, you know, we interpret them different in our minds and we use vocabulary. And so what I'm not talking about is this hashtag blessed, like, you know, vacation to Cabo, hashtag blessed, you know, going out with my friends yeah, for a latte, hashtag blessed, right? Um, which we see that a lot in our culture, um, but really, if we're honest, what these really are, are these pinnacles of delight and, if we're really honest, pinnacles of privilege in our life that often get passed off as God's blessing. Now, are they blessings? Of course they are, but I just want to make sure that we are, have, a, have a biblical understanding of what blessing is. So I'm going to point you to a couple of scriptures. Not, of them, not all of them are up here. Some of them will be. So if you have a Bible, you want to take a look really quickly if you want to get a better biblical view of blessing of God. Take out Luke. The Book of Luke, this uh, and this is chapter six, and I'm going to read it a little bit for you. So if you don't have it, don't worry. But 6:20, um, we're familiar with the Beatitudes, right? The Sermon on the Mount. That's one of the, my favorite parts of all the New Testament. the the, the Scripture over in Luke is, is the sister passage to that, and he where he talks about blessed are the what meek, meek. blessed are the poor, blessed. blessed yes blessed are the hungry, blessed are the persecuted, right? Hashtag blessed! Right? No. Right? The poor, the hungry, the persecuted, the meek, right? Then he goes on, but the, way I've re- the reason I talked about Luke is because he goes and he adds there, woe to the rich, woe to the well-fed, woe to those who are highly regarded, right? So the very people who would be walking around saying, Hashtag blessed, right? In our culture, right? So just getting a better picture of what, it, what maybe the blessing of God looks like. Can these things be blessings? Sure they can. But we're not just talking about our highlight reels. We're talking about how God has blessed you, how he's positioned you in your family, and your job, and just church family here, all of that. And, how, and the main takeaway is, uh, is that we are under obligation to take the blessings of God and connect them to the purposes of God. And so the purpose of God, what's the, what's the ultimate purpose of God? We can sum it up in a couple of ways, but maybe this. The main purpose of God is that his glory would be known all over the world right? That his glory, his name, his glory would be known. So putting that together, we are blessed so that his glory can be shown to the world. So keep that in mind. And the big question is, what does that look like, honestly? Now, please know that when I'm asked to speak like this, I am 100% talking to me, (laughs) right? I'm talking to me. I'm studying this and looking at this and going, I don't have this all together, so please don't feel like I'm reading your mail. I'm reading my mail, right? <laughs> That's what I'm reading here. Um, but in any case, what does that look like in our day-to-day lives to, to take the blessing of God in our life and help his glory be known all over the place? I'm ringing a bit. I'm not sure if it's where I'm standing or not, Jonathan. But, um, so what does it look like? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you look somewhere else. Now flip over to John 17. John 17. So we can, prob- we can probably learn a little bit from Jesus, Right? That's that's a, that's an understatement. Uh, but in this little section, he's in the upper room. Little context of John 17, he's in the upper room. This is his last like private moments with his with his group, his disciples, right? And this is that same setting as you know where he gives that, that new covenant in my blood that we just talked about, right? Um, it's that same setting where he's like, hey, one of you is going to betray me. The one, who is it, Lord? The one who dips the cup with me, the bread and the cup? And it's like, ah, hey, you know. Judas, the thing you're going to do, you better go do it. Judas just walked out the room, right? This just happened. So this is that context of, and then what he does is he prays for the other 11 that are in the room with him. And there may have been others in the room too, right? But he's praying for this group of people. Who are this group of people that are with him? You, you probably know, right? Who, who, The disciples, right? And we call them the disciples because these are the people that were hanging out with him that he just poured his life into for the last three years or so, right? And he prays over them. In, uh, in John 17. And uh, I'm going to start at verse 4. And honestly, if I'm honest, there's some things in this prayer that I've missed. We call it the high priestly prayer. It's how it's... A lot of our our, our, script, our, our Bibles list it that way. Um, but starting at verse, verse 4, um, he says, I... Hang on, I'm going to skip forward a little bit. I, I forgot I had this in my hand. There you, how did Jesus do it? Come on now. Boop, boop, boop. There it is. So, I have glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And I don't know if I've ever read it and really caught the context of this before, the, the import. He says, I finished it. The work is done. I've accomplished all of the work. And then what does he go on to list? You can, you can, if you have a Bible in front of you, you can kind of go, just scan. What does he go on to list? Lord, I raised Lazarus from the dead. I healed a lady who was sick for 12 years of the issue of blood just by touching my clothes. Hashtag getting it done, right? No, he doesn't list his highlight reel. He doesn't list all these, because he would have an amazing highlight reel. He doesn't list that. What he lists is the fact that he has poured his life into these people for the last three years. Look at this. He says, I have, verse six, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. They've kept your word, and now they know everything that you've given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me, and they've received them. They've come to know the truth that I came from you, and they've believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. I'm glorified in them. Catch that. I'm glorified. In them. He's putting his stamp of approval on them, right? Because he's about to go. They don't know what's going to happen next. He knows, right? He's going to allude to it in just a second. But he's saying, I am glorified in them. I've poured myself out to them. And so what we can take away from this is not only what did he do, but we're going to, as we look into this, it's like, this is what we should be doing. We're talking about discipling. How do we pour ourselves into other people? This is what it looks like, right? I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you gave me. I guarded them. Right. That's part of what it looks like to pour your life into someone else's. Not one of them's been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these... Uh, and these, uh, these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. The joy of the Lord that, that, that surpasses understanding, right? In them. That's pouring yourself out so that Christ's joy can be in them. I've been given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as, I'm, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world just as I'm not of the world Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in your word. Sanctify them. Now get this next one. As you sent me, I send them. Right? That's that's another part of this, right? Um, I'm sending them. That's part of this, pouring yourself into and sending them out. For their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in your truth. That's part of it. Sanctifying yourself that they might be sanctified. Now, there's a, there's a why to this that we'll come back to in just a hot second. So, pause right there. So, the rest of the story, he goes, he's guarded Gethsemane scene, he's, he's brought on trial, he's ultimately crucified, the disciples are scattered and devastated, then three days later, hallelujah, he comes back, and then he, we have all these stories of these appearances of Christ, and he, he recommissions them, and the ultimate recommissioning um, happens in a very famous passage you probably know, Mark uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty right we can probably all recite that one um, go and make disciples of every nation baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all of all I've commanded you and behold I'll be with you even to the end of the age right these are his last these are actually his his like the last words that we get before the disciples see him then enthroned in the heavens, right, before he goes. As, um, and so, go, therefore, and make disciples. So that's, then this is like the, his big plan for influencing the world, right? This is what Jesus did. How did he do it? Making disciples. That was his big mega strategy, is not going and, you know, I, I don't know, whatever the kind of plans and big schemes that we could come up with for how can we impact the world for Christ. His mega strategy is Pour your life into other people. And if we take Jesus seriously about what he said to do, again, I'm talking to myself, do I, I guess that's the question, do I take him seriously? If I'm honest, sometimes not as much as I should. Um, You can hold on to that and grapple with that as you can, but that's serious. Also, it doesn't say make converts, right? Therefore, go and make converts. It's not about that password moment, right? Right? accepted the Lord into your heart great have a great life brother right no it's now you've taken on the responsibility of pouring your life into that person who you've helped come to know to the knowledge of Christ Um, teaching them baptizing them and here's the thing every Christian can do this every Christian can do this every Christian should do this and every Christian can not just because of a can do attitude but look at the last part because I am with you. He doesn't just say, go do it and good luck. He says, go and do this and I'm going to be right there by your side. Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to perfect that, to bring it to completion, even to the end of the age until he returns, right? And so jump back really fast to that little, that little part that I was telling you about over in, uh, in John. And I just missed my little thingy here. I'll get right back to it been looking at it enough this week. I know where it's at. So this is the why. And then I'll close with this and I'll give it right back to Don. So after he says, sanctify them in your word, this is like the why. It says, verse 20, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's us. So here's Jesus praying for you, right? Us. That they, we, that they may all be one, unified, just as you and the Father are in me. right? So just the same connection that, the, that Christ has to the Father, that we could have that connection as well. That's pretty amazing. And I in you, and they also in us, so that, get this, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And now we're right back to, that's his ultimate mega strategy for, for Changing and influencing our, our world is through, directly through discipleship. That's it. That's it.
1: Woo.
0: I'll take the clicker. Thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. Okay, so where does that leave us? Jesus, we need to feel indebted to you. May the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Lord, only you, by way of your Spirit, can cause us to see the allure of you and the coming kingdom as greater than what we have daily from what this world can give us. Oh, Lord Jesus, change our mind, our attitude. Help us to see, Jesus, you are for us, not against us. And that you've got our back. That's what Sean spoke of. You've got our back. And you've commissioned us to do the task. Shame on me and forgive me, Lord, when I just don't think about it or even want to think about it and I'm just pushing spiritual food and nourishment away daily. Forgive me and help me to live for your kingdom and for the blessing, the peace that comes on this earth unlike anything else, Jesus, when we follow you. In your precious name, amen, Jesus. So, As we wrap this up, i got to show you a little video about Jim Carrey's transformation. I mean, he came to Christ a couple years ago. And so you think, you saw pictures of his life, he was out of control. I mean, he may still seem out of control. I don't walk around with him, wish I did, but I don't. Uh, Did you see him in mask? Did you see him in the cable guy? Oh my gracious! Yeah, you saw him. Yeah. yeah. Don't silence the baby. what he's trying to tell us. OK. So hey, so what does this, this all come down to? I've been talking,. Blah, 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 blah. Sean's been talking. Jesus had 12 he worked with for three years. You may be one. You may be two. Um, you may be three. Just find, you're here, commissioned, you're born again. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you find someone. I know you've got people around you. And so what? Matthew 5, 10. You say, hey, you want to go to church? Try to get chummy. They say, no, I hate church. Okay, that's cool. Persecuted. You're blessed if you're persecuted. For yours is the kingdom of God. So what do you have to lose? Nothing. I keep sending emails to the people that let me send emails to them. I'm so grateful, because if you didn't say I could send you an email, I wouldn't send it to anybody, because I had nobody to send it to. So thanks for taking my email, for those of you that said yes. But I keep sending you, say, hey, send this to somebody. Invite them to church. You know, because, because that's the way most people come. That's the way most people come. Hey, um, what does this all come down to? Check it out. Check it out indebtedness, indebtedness. Okay, I've got to focus on indebtedness. I've got to focus on Jesus. Jesus, do they know Jesus? Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. Do they, do they know Jesus? Do they know Jesus? Okay, more than that, and in addition to that, and adjacent to that is this, making disciples. That's why I bother you. I bother you so often to go through this book with me because it's a formal way of making disciples. It really is. So you go, Pastor, I want to go through this book. I want to go through it with you. Okay, let me know after church. And we'll start meeting together. Uh, Of course, if it's like a gal, then have like another gal with you or uh, or a guy, because that's a good pastor policy. So making disciples. Now you're going to go, wait a second, there's got to be more to this. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Remember, Jesus sums up all the commands into one command. All the commands into one command. Three or four places in the New Testament. Have love for one another. Have love for one another. Agape, sacrificial love. That's the commitment we're making. That's teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Ooh, easy peasy. I can do that. Disciples making disciples. One at a time. One at a time. One at a time. And this is just a picture of some military personnel. Thank you, Jesus, for our active uh, vets and the vets that have served. Um, I, uh, For us and given their life um, For us Uh, Thank you Jesus for them And people are reporting that new hope More bold That they're more bold in approaching others for Christ Um, You're just People are telling me that I had somebody at work And I just wanted to talk to them So I just asked them I just asked them if I could pray for them And they said yes And they gave me a list of things That's happening more in our circles That's happening That's encouraging That's what we're supposed to be doing That's what we're supposed to be doing Um, get this, nothing would be complete unless somebody said, stop, hold everything. I've got a loophole I found in the scriptures. Okay, maybe, but let's go through it. I'll tell you what I think you're thinking, and you'll say, no, no, you're you're, you're not that kind of a person. No, 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 but here it is. If all followers, disciples of Christ are to make disciples. Followers, synonymous with disciple. If you trusted Jesus as your Lord and you're Christian, you're born again. You're a disciple. You're a disciple. How do you explain that not all disciples are teachers? James 3.1 says for teachers, not many of you should become teachers, my brother, for you know that we... James, the half-brother of Jesus, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So what that means, if you're going to proclaim God's word, because all of James chapter 3 is on taming the tongue, taming the tongue, the falsities that you can say for Christ, no bueno, no good. That's what that's dealing with. That's what that... And... and, and James, the book of James was written in 45 AD. It's one of the earliest New Testament documents that we have. So if you have that, you're going, oh, it must have been about the way the scattered scattered Jews become Christian. They want to get up and teach about the new way, about Christ. They want rabbi status. They want to be, they want to feel good. They want to shine. That's right, I've got Jesus. Step around, step around, step up. I'll tell you about him. This is the kind of thing James is saying, don't do, don't do. Be ready as a teacher going in. You say, well, I'm not going to share my faith. Ah, I'm not going to try to be a witness because God's not called me to be a teacher. He's called me to be a prayer person behind the scenes. Ah, Well, I've got a slide that's going to help you with that because it helps me with that. Not all are called to be teachers. We know that. And teachers will have at the Bema seat for Christians. Not judging the unbelievers, Lake of Fire. No, no, no. For Christians, there'll be a higher scrutiny of judgment at the Bema seat when that time of reward between Christians and others. Be a time of reward, but there'll be higher scrutiny if you profess and you are a teacher um, of these things. little note I put on the bottom. I'll let you kind of read that. Stuff we've kind of uh, covered already. Okay, so, Pastor, why don't you close with something meaningful then and give me something that I can actually be doing. Give me something I can actually be doing here. Okay, right here. What can I do? I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. God's not calling me to be a teacher. I don't want to take the chance of greater scrutiny at the beamer seat. Oh, I don't need that. Got enough stress in my life. Okay, Look what you can do with your neighbor. Look what you can do with a, a coworker. Look what you can do with somebody you just met. You can invite them to go along with you when you study the Bible. You can't mess that up. Hey, I'm turning to Genesis. It's the first book. I think it means beginning. And I just start reading through, and every so often I stop and pray, show somebody Practice agape love. You know, you know, pastor, that's, that's you're really loving me well. Say, so yeah, that's the agape love, the kind that Jesus demonstrated for us. First, model holiness. Defined by what I can do, not by what I, or why we don't do anymore. Some churches, they pride themselves in getting people to come together and they pool together and they talk about what we refrain, refrain from doing. We don't do that at our church. 98.765% of us don't drink. Stop it! The Bible's not about drinking or not drinking. It says don't be drunk. But Jesus turned the water to wine. The best is yet to come. We're not going to get tied up in that kind of legalism. So what we can do for Christ in fulfilling that commission in making disciples and encouraging somebody. Hey, model how to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him one afternoon. Invite somebody with you. Have them to power around. But you say, I don't like people. They get on my nerves. You're going to have to get over that a little bit because everybody's going to probably get on your nerves at some time or another. Believe it or not, I get on my wife's nerves. Believe it or not. She goes, would you just settle down? Stop. You don't have to be on like this all the time. I said, well, no, it's dopamine producing. It makes me feel good. Well, I need to feel good too. So anyway, that's just a thing we have. Hey, show them how to connect with Jesus through prayer and devotion. Have somebody who's a new Christian to come over and just say, let's do a devotion. What's a devotion? Come over and I'll show you. And it say, it's say, "I've got this little U-Version app, and there's this person that reads me a verse and talks about it. And then I pray, and then I open some scripture and I read some scripture, and then I pray some more. Take them through that. We all have opportunities. To be void of that is just not fulfilling. It's, gonna, it's not going to make life on earth feel like there's much hope or expectancy for Christ to return. Oh, if we do, if we all do these things at New Hope, the impact we'll have on our community will be so tremendous. One person at a time. One person at a time. Let me play you Jim Carrey's part of his testimonial. Part of what he's speaking to when he, when he speaks to people um, who were imprisoned. And he talks about new life. Just a little radio clip that I um, that I got, but check this out. It's
3: amazing to see. A couple of years ago, and this is circulating right now. But a couple of years ago, Jim Carrey, familiar name, you would think, Yeah. big time actor, big right?
1: Big time actor, the really mask, mask, the funny guy. The yeah, I am
3: telling you. But something he's gone through a lot of stuff, and then all of a sudden, here he is with a group of former prisoners. Mm-hmm. Prisoners, some people that made mistakes, and he's talking about the mistakes that he's made in his life and how he's found forgiveness and how he's found grace. And here he gets to a point where he's relating with the former prisoners that made some mistakes in their life, and he starts talking about Jesus with them and starts out by saying, "Hey, you just by being here." And here's what he says:
1: Ultimately, I believe that suffering leads to salvation. And in fact, it's the only way that uh, we have to somehow accept and not deny, but feel our suffering and feel our losses. And, uh, and then we make one of the two decisions. We either decide to go through the gate of resentment, which leads to vengeance, which leads to self-harm, which leads to harm to others. Well we go through the gate of forgiveness, which leads to grace. And uh, your being here is an indication that you've made that decision, right? you made the decision to walk through the gate of forgiveness to grace, just as Christ did. On the cross, He suffered terribly, and He
3: was broken it's kind of hard to hear i know but he's talking about you just by being here you've said that you're indicating that you want to cross into forgiveness and into grace and jesus suffered and he died on the cross i'm paraphrasing what he's saying but man he's he's talking some real stuff with these former prisoners here he,
1: he is and he even said you know at the beginning before this started there's two choices there's the path of resentment and And there's the path of forgiveness. He said, if you choose the path of resentment, that's what may lead you into harming someone else. Or, you know, just making bad choices in your life. It's when you choose forgiveness that that change kind of happens. And I love, I mean, think about Jim Carrey. The people that know his name, I would say billions know his name. And he's talking about forgiveness that he's found. In Jesus, mm-hmm. And even goes on to talk about the sacrifice that Jesus made. So my takeaway from this is that Jim Carrey believes everything that he is saying. It's pretty amazing. Yeah,
0: kind of cool. Some of you would say, because your mind works, to say, you know what, I don't know if he's really saved. I don't know if he understands theologically uh, what's going on. And it's like, I don't care. I know he's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for yours and my sins. I know he's on a right path. So what what for you today? What can you, who can you go home and call or contact? Who can you begin to pray for, to say, I want this person to be in heaven with me who's also born again. I want this person to know Christ. Who is it? We've got three more weeks in this series. It's going to be intense. But we want you to make a decision today. Maybe today you're going, I don't know this Christ. And so, and so if, if you don't know this Christ and you want to have me lead you in a sinner's prayer where you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, raise your hand and I'll just, I'll just say it out loud. You can just follow anybody. Okay, I've got a couple hands up. Praise the Lord for that. So so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you don't know for sure that he's in your heart, just say this prayer. Jesus, I'm sorry for making my life messy. Jesus, I turn from that the best that you will help me do to follow you. Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Make me your child. Make me born again. And I'll follow you. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me because I'm sinful. And I believe that you arose three days later, as the Bible says, to give me
1: power and strength. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Your precious name.